Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of the EdTech Distilled podcast. Uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus there. Uh, I guess it was a couple weeks we had. It's the beginning of the school year, so I think most people can kind of understand we need a little bit of extra time. Uh, but we are super excited to have with us tonight John Spike uh, of GameStormers EDU, and we're excited to talk with him. And obviously Dave's always here. Dave, so say hello. What what year is this? I'm the lady from Titanic. Sorry. I just that's how tired I feel right now. So you're exactly right. I think yes. uh I don't know about you guys, but this year is already killing me. And today was our very first day with students. And uh it is just <laughs> insanity. If you are in IT right now, bless your soul. That's yeah. all I'll say. Absolutely. How's it going for you so far, John? I, you I just thought you don't start forever. I was I was gonna say it was bold for you to say today was killing me in in terms of the current outlook. So I didn't know if that's a turn of phrase we can use right now, Adam. You're but, right. Uh, oh, this yeah. is uh, today has made me so very sleepy. Wow. Better. <laughs> right. We'll go with that. There it is. Uh, yeah. So, edit, so edit that out. Yeah. Right. We'll cut oh, it. Yeah. Uh, I stand by. I'm sorry. I made it weird. I made it weird. It's uh, I, it, you no, know, now I'm like double thinking. Is did I really say something that's? <laughs> I guess you're not. good. I don't know. I'm gonna have another drink and we'll move on. Yeah, I it, in Wisconsin, I'm always blown away. We have like a, I think it's a state law. You have to get like the government's permission to start before uh, September 1st. You can't. Uh, really? You can't do it in Wisconsin. Really? So all of these like back to school. I see all these on social media, like you know, bless your souls, everybody going back to school, and I'm just like, what's happening right now? I don't know what month <laughs> it is still, and people are people are learning things. So it just blows my mind. Yeah, we've got some time and I'm at the university level working with pre-service right. teachers. So it's even later uh, wow. than than the K-12 scene. So yeah, I, I'm i not in that mindset yet. I tip my cap to both of you. Heroes. So do you guys go to school until like the end of June? Uh, no, surprisingly, no. Uh, we just don't learn as much as you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of our approach. We just, I, I like to think we're more efficient, but I don't think that's it. We go to like early to mid June. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to put it nicely. No, I, I, yeah, I think we go, we go early to mid June. It's been yeah. creeping yeah. back further and further. I feel like, sure, yeah, uh, sure. to I'm mid sure June, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's like ours funny. is the opposite. Ours is moving up. Like oh, we're absolutely. Not necessarily getting out later, but I feel like it, it, anybody listening to this in Illinois is probably, uh, if they've not started yet, they will. And I just feel like every year we're moving closer and closer to the start of August for that beginning. So, you know, just two different ways to solve that problem, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, regardless, we're here and we're drinking and we're talking about education. And it's it's such a strange world to be in right now. Mm -hmm. uh, with all of the mandates coming down and sometimes some people are wearing masks, some people aren't, whether you're not vaccinated or not vaccinated. We just had another thing come down that said you could take your masks off in a room full of people who are all vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But then that begs the question, are we going around advertising our vaccination status? Are we shaming people who aren't? Are we, you know, I don't know. Just so many questions. I just wear a mask all day and try not to forget to put it on. Yeah, maybe want to get a hazmat suit at some point, and make it a little bit Ooh. easier, you know. So maybe we can uh, shout out that link on Amazon for a hazmat suit. So there you go. It's a great idea. Yeah, maybe we get I think that. We should see how much those are. We'll put in a request. We'll drop donors choose. We'll we'll put throw one on that. Oh Could you guys do like an EdTech distilled branded hazmat suit? Like kind of, I don't know, some merch store. We should. I don't know. And it should have two bottles of whiskey on the side <laughs> with straws kind of going into go your into head. the go into the kind of respirator <laughs> yeah. part of the hazmat. Yeah. Honestly, if that's not already a thing, it needs to be. So it should be. <laughs> Absolutely. That, I, it's funny because I, I have on my backpack a uh, it's like a little bottle, just a little Bubba keg thing that I carry around because it's just nice to have a bottle on my backpack. Anyway, I think I've had more people in the last week ask me what's in that bottle <laughs> than I had in my entire life. I mean, more people are like, "Ooh, what you got in there? I'm like, well, it's just water, guys. I'm I'm at work, but I know where all of our heads are at. So, so here we are. So John, um, we're going to jump in and do some, some new things and some updates and hopefully we'll spark a little interesting conversation. Um, you, uh, being in Wisconsin, uh, we, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before the show, uh, but we're, we're baseball fans and obviously the Brewers are leading the central division by uh, a pretty decent margin there. 
I believe it's like six or seven games right now over the Reds, right? Yes, seven games over the Reds. So that's news, and then and we're just going to move on from that. So is that all right? <laughs> it's been covered. We don't need to harp on how good the Brewers are and how bad the Cardinals are. Well, cards aren't terrible, but. I, I think it's just important. I, I am not going to dance on any team's misfortune. We, I truly mean this when up in Wisconsin, we don't know how it's happening. Like nothing makes sense. Like our, <laughs> our MVP, like doesn't know how to hit a baseball right now. Sure. And our pitchers just showed up to camp and are like, what if we threw strikes and it's starting to <laughs> like, it's just total like bonkers. Like we on paper, I think a lot of Wisconsin nights were like second, third looks fair. Sure. Looking at this team. And some guys just like just kind of came out of their shells and out of the kind of out of the pandemic season, shortened season, and really have just we don't know where this came from, and I don't think yeah. anybody except maybe Craig Council thought it was. So <laughs> I, I mean this, I mean this truly when I say we don't know what's happening right now, and we're just going to accept it, and we're going to, yeah. you know, drink our brandy old fashions and our, our you know, our <laughs> our domestic beer and and uh, keep living life. And roll with it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it it should be an interesting end of the season. I think we'll after the Cubs giant fire sale. It'll be interesting to see who starts to pick up or starts yeah. to drop off. And I don't know, interesting and, stuff. And truly, I've never felt bad for the Cubs or their fans in my life being a Cardinal <laughs> fan. But this past year, seeing some of these guys get traded, I feel bad for them. Mm. Seeing Chris Bryant and Rizzo get traded, and that's got to hurt, man. Because those guys, are uh, first, you know, I don't feel bad for them. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I can hear your line. viewership, your like your Chicago-based viewership, just <laughs> yeah. dipping right now. I can feel uh, the numbers. You know what? I, and I and I every, to each his own or her own. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I think the Cubs are the Cubs are the Cubs this year, and we'll we'll just sort of accept that as well. Uh, yeah. So my first update, and speaking of. I don't know, places that are known for food, as in Chicago and Wisconsin. Um, there's this great app, which is I did not know existed. It's an actual Google tool, just like Google Meet that we're on right now and slides and all these other things. If you go to orderfood.google.com, it is an, a food ordering website application. And so it's super simple. You can, it pops up your location right now. It shows you a map of all the restaurants in your area and you can literally order from almost, I mean, I, I didn't like go through and see who was missing from this list, but these are all the restaurants in my area. There's a lot. Um, there are a ton and you just click on it. You can click through the menu and you can order food right there and people will either deliver or uh, you can go pick it up. It's like super easy. You can click on a bunch of things at the top. Like um, I want Indian food and it'll bring up all of the Indian restaurants around you and you That's can amazing. order from there. I mean, this is a great way to sort of handle that. Uh, what are we going to eat tonight? And we don't know. And yeah. this is, this is the tool for you. So again, Google does it. They don't tell anybody about it. It's like a secret app. Um, I happen to see it in some weird email thing that I get. And I thought it was fascinating. So I put it on my list. And did you know Denny's delivers? Do they really? That's what it says here. At like two in the morning? That's what it says. <laughs> 5.99 delivery fee to, to get Denny's delivered. So hey, shout out huh. to Denny's. I had no idea. Where was this in college? You know? Yeah, you're not kidding. Where was all this? Well, I don't know. Looking back at college, this it's probably a good thing some of this stuff wasn't around. 100 percent I will say, um, when I was going to, you know, college in Madison, like they were kind of on the cusp of doing some digitized, you know, delivery ordering. But now, like, there's literally robots on UW-Madison's campus, like, wheeling around food and taking it to people, like, just straight-up automatons that you put in a little code on their face and it opens up with your food. And so I, it's, awesome. it's a, I, I would say dystopian future, but it does sound utopian. No, it it's sounds utopian. Like, it, sounds like we, it sounds like we won. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> we did it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> The We're robots still in Wally there's, now, you know. They're still our Wally. servants, you know. Yeah. They didn't take us over. Good work. Yeah. High five. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I have Dave, two, your I, next one here. Yeah, yeah, I have two two updates to share here. Uh, so 
it's uh, been kind of hinted at for the better part of uh, the last year that uh, Google quizzes and Google Forms would be able to save progress uh, when people are working with those apps. So in Forms, I think we've all done that where we filled out an app or filled out a form or put our answers in and we unfortunately didn't get to finish in time and you leave it pulled up uh, on your Chromebook or on your computer and then you walk away and it goes into sleep mode and then you lose it, you lose your data. Um, so now it's actually gonna save your answers automatically for up to 30 days once you open that app and start filling it out, which is kind of a cool update, I think, especially with uh, so many teachers I know really wanting to use more digital quizzes and digital forms in their classrooms. I think anything they can do to streamline that and make it a little bit more user-friendly is an awesome update. And I think based on the update I read, that should be available for everyone by now. It was on the rapid release schedule, but I mean, they were talking like it is fully initiated out and so you should see that. I don't, the way it displayed for me on forms is after I had typed a few things in and waited, it just said progress saved at the top. So it's not like it's a big notification letting you know it's saved. It just kind of popped up hmm. a little uh, message. So really like that. And then on a totally non-Google related note, <laughs> I, I read this, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about just crazy technology things. And I read an article on The Verge about a, this sounds so amazing. Uh, it's called the Cyber Dog. It, it looks like one of those Boston Dynamics uh, dogs that they've had, the bomb sniffing dogs that they had, the robot dogs that, yeah. have you ever seen those videos the, of the scientists the kicking ones, them? Yeah, right, they won't, they can't right. fall over. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> so, so this thing is from a tech uh, giant in China, and I'm gonna butcher the name, uh, but it's XIA, OMI, and they are making a four-legged uh, robot called the CyberDog, and they're open sourcing it so that people can figure out ways they want to program it themselves, which is at the same time both kind of amazing and also horrifying to think about. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, speaking of those types of robots that are showing up on college campuses to deliver food, <laughs> could you imagine like this thing like walking up to you? I don't know. It'd be weird. And actually guys... reminds me. Sorry, go have ahead. You guys, yeah, you might be going this route, but have you guys watched like the anthology show Black Mirror oh, before? Yeah. There's an yeah, episode right. that was inspired by these very robot dogs, like the Boston, uh, the Boston, what is it, Boston Dynamic, or yeah, I'm so, butchering yeah. a name too. Also, uh, they literally like wrote this episode because they saw those dogs and thought, what if somebody like hijacked those to be murderers? And yeah. the episode is just like a desolate dystopian wasteland where those dogs yeah. are just murdering every human and one like loses a leg and like picks up a knife and that's its new leg so Jeez. just like every nightmare ever so <laughs> as soon as i heard a company's open sourcing it to see what people do it's I like know. oh well, this will be such a story for good and it's like nope somebody's creating the metalhead dogs from black right. mirror and 100%. this is how we go so yep. it'll be the future will be a war between the service robots serving us food and the Boston dynamic reprogrammed they're, they're robot dogs. And you know what? I'm here for that. That sounds like, a great <laughs> yeah. like to see. So, yeah, I saw that. And it's just so it, it wasn't even the robotic dog part, because I don't think that's a big stretch, but the open source aspect to it just kind of blew my mind because I mean, that's really putting something out in the universe and telling people do what you want with it, which is, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, like I said, kind of scary. Uh, Adam, you have some, a big, maybe the biggest announcement. I think. Yeah, I guess so. So Jeopardy just announced their new hosts. And I say hosts because <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm put off personally by their choice. Um, and I figured most people probably have their own opinions about this. Um, I don't even know who the dude is. Uh, what's his name that got it? Like he's an executive producer. Mike Richards is his name, and he looks vaguely familiar. Like, I've seen him in some things. Uh, but you had such a wide range of people, and that's who you picked. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, um, and I can't ever pronounce her first name right. Mayim, Mayim, however you want to pronounce her first name. Mayim Bialik from Big Band Theory. She's yep. going to do some special shows, and she's going to do, um, you know, some of the other, like, the primetime shows, which is great. Uh, and I, th I think she's really good. She is like actually super smart. Yeah, she's great. Uh, but I'm not so sure. You had so many good people. I mean, you had freaking Le LeVar Burton. You had LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton. I mean, I don't know. And I watched I watched one of his and I thought he was great. 
fantastic. I watched one of Aaron Rodgers, and I actually thought he did pretty well. He's great. I don't know. John, what are your thoughts? <laughs> He's... Yeah, I, I circled this one on the on the list, and I I think I'm in. A, I think you guys are. What I'm gathering from your reactions to each name, I think we're on the same page of like Team Lavar, and everything I've seen on yeah. the internet has been like ninety percent Team Lavar. Uh, I will say, I will say, as a as a Wisconsinite, um, I didn't think Aaron was a great fit. I didn't I didn't no. love him. He was he's fine. I think he he'd was, be a great guest host, but he he yeah. could do like. They should have him do celebrity Jeopardy, like he did yeah. well as a guest He'd on that. He'd right. be good to maybe he should maybe be their special events host. I have some myambiolic issues with some of her scientific takes, but that's a whole other podcast for another time. <laughs> but um Lavar Burton, I thought was head and shoulders. I think like you'd get a whole renewed interest in Jeopardy. I think he'd bring totally. a whole another dynamic. We talked about the nostalgia piece, like before a show with He-Man. And I feel like LeVar Burton could have been like kind of a He-Man renaissance for Jeopardy. That was a really bad analogy. Um, no, I think it's exactly it right. It worked. It worked. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> for people who grew up watching him on reading Rainbow, that I mean, that voice is so iconic. It's it's as iconic as any other voice from our childhood. Uh, I'm assuming we all basically grew up at the same time. <laughs> and now, did you guys watch Star Trek Next Generation? Yes. Okay, so like that's almost more effective to me i mean i thought his character on that i used to walk around with the cools because they had those <laughs> the little visor shades. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i don't know there's there are just so many different people um you know it, it just doesn't make so much sense to me and especially in the world that we're in and the political climate that they that they chose two white people it seems to be just baffling when you had such a good person there uh that kind of ticked both boxes i guess if you want to say and but, he'll make you feel good about yourself yes he's just so saying. good like that's my goal in life i'd love for lavar burton to just tell me hey you did a good job today dave <laughs> he said that i think my whole all my do whole you guys purpose would do you guys watch community oh yeah yes that do you remember the, the episodes where yep. uh the one where pierce is like getting back at everybody because he's pretending to die and he yeah. brings lavar burton in to talk <laughs> yeah. to uh Oh gosh, now I can't think of his name. Daniel Glover. What's uh, his Daniel name? Glover? Um, uh, Troy. Troy. Yeah, oh yeah. And, oh my God, it is the funniest. Such a funny episode. He cries. Butterfly in the sky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lavar Burton's awful. Yeah. Oh That's my awesome. God. That's a great episode. It was so. I mean, I just so disappointing. My yeah. vote was Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've seen Neil deGrasse. He would have been great too. I've seen him give lectures multiple times on uh, when he was touring for books and I've got to meet him once just like book signing stuff. And I just never walk away not being impressed with him. You know, it just, it's always, he, he does a good job of communicating. I feel like, which is important in that role. Did he, did he guest host at all? No, no, no. That was a rumor on Twitter for a while. Yeah. But uh, no. so I got super excited then, but no, no luck. So let's go team LeVar. Yeah. Yeah. I think totally. It's a real shame. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all right. So with that sadness, we're going to move on to some good stuff. <laughs> um, so John, you, John and I met, um, a few years ago, we were both able to go to the LAX 18, the Google innovator Academy that happened out in LA, uh, in July. It was almost just over what, three years ago. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Um, but I, I previously knew John from, uh, listening to the, uh, well-played podcast that Mike Matera puts together. And after listening, you were a guest like three or four times prior to us meeting. So I already knew John. He didn't know that I know him. It's kind of weird like that, but uh, <laughs> it was cool. It was like meeting, uh, I don't know what it would be like, meeting somebody to listen to in pod yeah. <laughs> podcasts. Yeah, that's what it was just like meeting the fans. Hey, LaVar <laughs> It's like meeting, <laughs> like meeting, did, did you sit like in the back room singing like uh, the theme song? I did. I well cried. Played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Bringing it back. Uh, but John, so you've got a really great project, which we're going to get to in a second. But I do want to talk just a little bit about your journey through education because you've, you've got an interesting kind of story. You're in uh, post-secondary education now, yeah. but, but all game facing, which I think is just such an awesome thing. So tell us how you got there. Yeah, I, I always, uh, when I'm kind of 
start in the story, I like to kind of like tease at the ending, you know, real English teacher, like foreshadowing stuff. So um, I'll start in college. I was going to, I was at UW-Madison and training to be an ELA teacher, wanted to be high school. And when we were in the College of Ed, I remember very specifically, like technology was just starting to be a little bit more of a thing that you could kind of use. Like we were kind of teasing around maybe one-to-one, -one, but not really. And, and sure. The, the it just there wasn't a lot of literature out there. There wasn't a lot of talk from our faculty and our instructors. They would ask us like, what are you doing with tech? Like, let's just talk about what you tried in your student teaching. And I was like, man, it would be so cool someday to be like a person who kind of shows them tech best practices and facilitates the conversations around what's happening in tech for teachers. You know, I was like, that would be a cool job if I'm right in my job. And so go in, I, I teach high school English for a few years and follow my tech director who I got really close to. I followed her up to Green Bay uh, to be a tech integrator, uh, K-12. So worked with all different teachers, you know, just kind of partnership learning, working with them. Let's do a tech enhanced activity here. Let's work tech and do this assessment, you know, whatever, uh, you know, and just everything. I'd go from a kindergarten classroom, run up to the AP students at the high school, in a given day. It was awesome. Um, did that for four years and then kind of wanted to get back to back to where I was from, you know, had a, a lot of connections to, you know, both me and my wife's family were in South Central Wisconsin. So we were kind of looking around and um, my friend actually sent me this link and said, um, just saying was the subject of the email. I'll never forget. Just said, just saying it was a link to a job. And it was at uh, University of Wisconsin Whitewater, which is kind of a small university in the UW umbrella. And it was like coordinator of instructional tech in a college of ed. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I was reading the thing and it sounded a lot like buying tech and troubleshooting tech. And I'm like, no, I'd, I I want to use it. So, you know, my wife kind of said, just go and interview and kind of see what they're envisioning for this thing. So I go in the interview and they're, they kind of told me like, hey, I we want this to be what, what you want to make it. We want it to be very collaborative with our faculty. We want you to be influencing our future teachers. We want you to basically help them use tech. And I'm like, so you're saying I can write my dream job is kind of what I took from it. And so I kind of went in with that. I said, here's what I do. I do this, 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 and this. They said, we love it, you know, hired on. And I've been in there four years, my longest tenure job now. I usually like cut and run after like year three, <laughs> three and a half. But um, yeah, I, I'm doing that now. And so basically to give you kind of the oversight or the kind of the big picture of it, um, I like work with the faculty, help them see what's coming in kind of their fields. If they teach the literacy of teaching, if they teach the assessment of teaching, if they teach science methods, if they teach social studies methods, whatever it is, I kind of work with them to talk about, hey, here's what I'm seeing in the field. Here's what we could incorporate in your classes. They put me face to face with the students. I say, hey, here's some things that you might be wanting to try. Here's the tools we have in our lab. Check them out and use them in your placements. And then I teach a course each semester, one semester's digital tools with librarians. And then uh, the second semester is, and and I, I swear this is, I always bring this up too, cause I love bragging about it. My mom has been right about everything, but the one thing she was wrong about is that my video games would never pay off. And so in the spring, I teach a course called video games and learning. And it's, it's a really eclectic mix. We get future game designers. Uh, sure. We have a really good media and game development major and we have educators taking it. And they talk about, we talk about, you know, what what does a good game for learning look like? How does a commercial game overlap in the education field? They talk about how games could could teach essential skills. It's a, it's basically my dream come true. Like if I went back, you know, if I was like in Back to the Future, John, and went back and I'm like, I gotta tell you about the future, and like grab young me, be like, keep playing video games. There's a class on it, and you would be like, what? And hopefully, I don't like. You know, my mom doesn't follow me and all that stuff. So, right. <laughs> what well, was the class your idea, or did it exist? So, yeah, that, great question. My like, this class existed other places. You know, actually, like UW Madison had one of the first, and so one of the teachers at Whitewater was kind of learned under a UW Madison professor's teaching, and then brought it to Whitewater like the year before I got there. And she said to me, she said, "Hey, I, I listened to your interview. I've been looking at your stuff. I know you're into this. Do you want to co-teach it with me?" And then it became, she brought on another gentleman named Sharif Jackson, who's wonderful. He comes from kind of the journalism uh, side of things. Like he does a lot of journalism with games and learning. And so he and I actually co-teach this class. She stepped away and said, you guys have it, like take it away. And so awesome. he and I co-teach it. It's really great. So that shout out really to Sharif cool. Jackson. He's fantastic. Check him out.
We'll put them in the show notes. I don't yeah, run throw the, them show, in the show notes, but we'll Absolutely. put them in the show notes. Yeah, Absolutely. so there's the there's the very long winded story, but I like to get the teaser in of like like what like basically like dreaming this this like position into reality, and then also my mom being right, except for this one time. So. Right, right. <laughs> yep. There you go. So with with a twinge of jealousy, we'll move on um, to your. <laughs> The question that we kind of all have been asking everybody that's that's been coming yeah. on because obviously this being the the world that we're that we're in now uh, post COVID, how did how did the COVID world affect your job? I know that at the elementary and high school level, you know, being remote and everything was devastating in a lot of cases and and really an opportunity in a lot of cases. What was it like at the post secondary? Because we're not real sure. Yeah, that's that's a great question. It was really interesting. Um, we. I, I tip my cap to our, our university. I'm not just saying this to offset the fact that I'm on this like drinking podcast. Um, but <laughs> good save. But, yeah. Um, yeah uh, I, I tip my cap. They have had a really good infrastructure in place even before the pandemic. They partnered, they would work for grants and they installed a lot of telepresence technology in the classrooms. Like, mm -hmm. but the, the funny thing was we'd always laugh because we'd have all this telepresence and then we wouldn't be doing a lot of remote or hybrid. Like the, the university kind of installed it and said, if we build it, maybe they'll come right. Um, you know, field of dreams approach. And it didn't, it didn't happen that way. And then the pandemic hits and suddenly they look like geniuses, right? We've got these high flex classrooms built where people could be face to face, socially distanced. If you didn't feel comfortable, you could be remote. The problem was then we, because nobody had actually taught them before, you know, our hand was forced, the pedagogy had to come. And so it, it was a, it was a multi-tiered approach, right? The university did things. And then in the college, I suddenly became a very popular man. I, mm -hmm. you know, like I, you know, I like to think I was popular before, but like, <laughs> I, I like that whole year, I, I was working from home, but like working from home, like, sure. you know, people make fun right. of like, are you working from home and stuff? But like, my wife is like, are you going to take a day off? And like, we really can't like, it's all hands yeah. on deck. And, and, and the thing for me was, it was kind of a, it was a great opportunity because I had a lot of instructors who were reluctant, you know, they, yeah. they were in their sweet spot. They did amazing lessons, low tech, no tech. And I'll be the first to tell you, you don't, I'm like, I'm pushing a board game company. I'll be the first right. to tell you, you don't need high tech in every right. situation. Right. Um, but they, they came to me and said, I, I know my face-to-face -face instruction is not going to translate. Like, what does a good blended online approach look like? You know, they said it that way. They didn't say, well, I guess I got to do this. They said, what, <laughs> what are the new practices I need to approach? Because I can't just layer face-to-face -face on online. You know, they knew that. They, they were very forthcoming. So I had a lot of good conversations of like, let's take the best of what you do. And let's find a good way to replicate those that make sense digitally. So we, 2020 was, was both the most like miserable and incredible years mm -hmm. ever, you know, notwithstanding the, the widespread death and destruction. Right. So, yeah. Right. Do you feel like the, that model that you guys adopted is something that you'll continue to use going forward? Or is it something that people are kind of putting back on the shelf, hoping to return to more <laughs> traditional things? I think, I think there's, there's an interesting response. There's a lot of instructors who told me like, I didn't think I could do this. I just didn't think it was for me. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of got my bearings, you know, I hit like the, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I hit like the, this, I just can't do this. And then I got my stride and, and they're like, I see its merits and I see the, the opportunities it affords our students. And we pride ourselves. We're a campus who prides ourselves in accessibility. And I don't think we put that in every, we didn't put that in perspective of everything we do. Right. We thought about, well, our campus, it's easy to get around for students of all abilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're saying, well, were our co courses accessible for everybody in every situation? And they weren't, right? If we have attendance expectations that are face-to-face -face only, right. you know, are we truly accessible? Like we had to kind of do a reality check of if we're going to call ourselves an accessible campus, does that right. mean if you truly can't get to campus, you're still accessible? And, right. and so I think a lot of instructors said, everything should be hybrid if I'm truly going to live by our mantra of being accessible. So I think that was a, a kind of a come to, you know, come to your given deity moment, uh, you know, so uh, that was cool. Um, I think that was an incredible conversation to have. Like I, I think some instructors have said, I need to be better if I'm going to call myself somebody who is open to helping everybody learn. So, yeah. Yeah. Very and, you interesting. Know, 
and and what's interesting, I've I've heard a lot more this year. I feel like uh, from colleges in particular, and and some secondary schools too. And we we're lucky enough that we've kind of looked at this too. But I've just heard a lot of colleges saying that same thing that John's saying that um, we need to be truly accessible for everyone, and that means having some hybrid options. You know, and so and some things have to be done in person. We know that, but you know, if you can make those hybrid options, it's definitely we've seen it's doable. And and some people, it really does end up being the the most ideal situation for them to continue that education opportunity. It's interesting how similar that sounded to the same, like the situations that we saw at, right. at our, the lower levels too. I mean, I think it really was kind of a universal experience for educators across the board. It seems. Right. But, well, I agree. You know, there's a, there's an organization in Illinois that we are looking at uh it's out of eastern illinois and i'm and i'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head and i'll remember i'll put it in the show notes i'm sure when we're done but that's what they're actually trying to help onboard with high schools right now is they're doing uh they're setting up these telecommunication rooms for teachers to teach specialized classes so if you need to take a foreign language and you either can't find one because the teacher shortage is unreal or you mm don't unfortunately don't have someone certified to teach it, you can pay into this organization and then you can offer that course to the organization. So if you want to offer French, but you don't have a French teacher, then part of this group has somebody teaching French from that class and you can log on. And, you know, Fascinating. I, I know it doesn't, you know, it, it's hard for me to envision like a primary student doing that. <laughs> right. But I mean, there's things you can do in that way. And so I, I feel like it's, I'm glad to hear people aren't just putting these things back on shelves to be done. Right. Interesting. Well, when you figure out the name of that, let me know. That's. I feel like I, I just got to say, I feel like we're going back to community. There's the episode where those robots, those iPad robots, they, they invite all these inmates to take classes at community and they're wheeling around and like uh -huh. one tries to like kill Jeff Winger by like shoving him. And he's just, he's just like this little iPad on wheels. So it does nothing. And it's amazing. And, I, and that we, show is just let's just absolutely establish that community is amazing. So, it's yeah. it's nearly the first four seasons are nearly perfect, uh, you know. And I, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, I've been rewatching that on Netflix as of late, <laughs> and I seem to remember the first season being good but not great until about midway through. It's great the whole way through. Mm -hmm. I mean, every episode, I've just been floored by how good everything is. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have you on our community love fest episode <laughs> at some point, John, when we, whenever we do that one, maybe a spin off um, podcast that just talks about like, the connections being community and contemporary. Ed. I don't yeah. Know. Community <laughs> distilled. I think that's a great oh, idea. Look at it. Yeah. Just rolls we'll, off. We'll the just time. do it. Perfect. It does. Yeah. Uh, all right. So talking about your project, your, so everybody, what part of the deal in case you've not uh, ever heard of the Google innovator pro um, program, Part of the deal is you have to come with a with a problem, sort of, and or a question, uh, and then hopefully solve that problem or solve that question through your work through um, the I don't even remember design thinking and all of that process that that, that, that we kind of went through. So your project is has it pretty much stayed the same or is it pivoted some? <laughs> it's it's pivoted so much. I yeah. and I think I I I know I'm not alone. I've talked to a lot of people who've had a similar experience, but I'll, t I'll tell you like in a nutshell, I wanted to make like working video games and education more accessible right. to teachers. I wanted that to be um, easier. And actually, if you want to see like somebody who I think has done that really well, I like Zach, Zachary Hartsman's Hey, Listen mm -hmm. Games. He's mm -hmm. done a really good job of like, here's a yeah. video game. Here's how you can work it in. Here's the right. whole lesson plan. But uh, here, he's a there. great follow. Let's add him to the list too. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm going to, let's just keep throwing names. But uh so I, I, I love what he's doing, but then I, I like got, I got to talking, you have to interview people about your issue. And I got realizing like, people don't even know like where to begin. Like it's, it's like not even like the understanding of like what games can bring. So I kind of went to the innovator Academy wondering like, okay, do I just even need to get them to understand the why of games? And then I got to talking to people and I, I also, the other thing I did is to, when we went to LA, I brought like just a crap load of games. Like I brought yeah. board games and card games and stuff. And and we played them and, and had a had a good time. And and somewhere like during the course of the academy, somebody's like, John, why are you even doing like video games? You you didn't come with like a single video game, but you came with like 17 board games. Like, what about those? And I'm like, that's a really good point. Wow. Right. Uh and so it, I came out of the academy thinking actually of like more of like a kind of almost like a breakout EDU, like I'd give you like a kit, or, like a blank kit, like with all the things you need to create a board game. I really got obsessed with like teachers and students making board and card games. I was like, that's it. And then I went out there and like 
there's tons of people who have made way better kits. And I was like, all right, I'll do the curriculum. Like there's a bunch of like resources for game makers, like professionals, not mm -hmm. written at a K-12 level. I'll make the, I'll make the resources for K-12. And I did that for a while. And like, I would call this stumbling out of the gate. Like I had something, it was fine. You know, I could count the number of unique visitors per day to the site on one hand, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like doing this thing and I, I just felt like I had lost inspiration. And it was funny because I had like a, I had like a mentee, you know, I was like a mentor to a mentee and I was like, yeah, don't give up hope. Look at me. Like <laughs> I'm just a washed up old coots from like innovator and, you know, I'm still plugging away and, uh, you know, and I think he more was probably taking away like, uh, I don't want to end up like that guy. Oh man. Right. Um, <laughs> it was motivating then, just the wrong direction. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. yeah. It's like, I just want like, I was clapping him on the shoulder and be like, don't make the same mistakes. <laughs> I did son. You know, um, Daryl Legaspi, you should put him on the list too. Let's just keep adding him. Uh, that's my Absolutely. mentee. He's awesome. Um, so then like, it was like, uh, you know, fast forward, it's 2021, uh, you know, we're like midway back into pandemic two or whatever we're entering now. And, um, so I just have like this moment, you know, where you have an idea and, and it just, it's, it's, you're kind of like, what was I doing up until this point? And the idea was I was like trying to make this like empty box. And then I was like, well, if I make a book or something and then I'm like, everybody's got a book and I don't have a, anything to worthwhile to add to a book. Like it would just be a book of nonsense. So, uh, I'm, but then I'm like, what would be the best way to like teach people like the idea of making a game? Like that was my ultimate goal. I believed in it. I had seen students get really fired up about it. Like the kids who had used the game store media. And I'm like, what if there was a game where you make a game? And besides being like a funny, like inception joke, mm -hmm. it also seemed like it had legs. And so from January up until this point, like it's been every iteration. Like I, I, on, I, I do like a little live stream where I kind of talk about mm -hmm. The process and everything and i i show i be i'm very intentional about showing the early drafts of this game because it was garbage it's hot garbage and my poor wife has played every crappy version of this game and <laughs> what's cool though is as you keep iterating just like design thinking you keep iterating and like you start whittling all the crap out and like by the end you've got this nice shiny golden turd that you think mm -hmm. you could unleash on the world right <laughs> you've kind of shined all the all the excess species <laughs> off yeah, of it for right. lack of a better analogy here. You just kept um, all the best feces, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like I think if you, I think it's true. If you put enough pressure on feces, it will shine into a diamond. So, um, it's don't those, try that. That's what those chocolate diamonds are now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So I, I guess now getting to the point I'm, I'm, you know, I got this game. I, I absolutely believe in it, you know, and, um, every, I, what the biggest validation to me is I've had kids play it. I've had adults play it and everybody kind of walks out with like this experience of like, even if they win or lose, they've like, holy crap, I made this absurd game or I made this like game I play or I, I won and I don't give a crap about my game. I got the most points or, you know, whatever, or, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, or did you see this, you know, John's game? It was completely absurd. I voted for it and that got me the win or whatever. And so everybody kind of walks away with like this, this story from the game. And the important thing to me is they're always talking about the game and you know, you've got a good game. I think when people are talking people about talk afterwards, about yeah. um, before, like in the earlier iterations, people were talking about how broken it was, you know? So now they're talking about like, <laughs> at least they, like, their experiences of it and, and everything. And so I, I'm really excited about it. I, I believed in it enough where I, I, I've been reading up a ton on, you know, what, what it takes to really get a board game published. And the first thing they said is, people are going to be drawn to the look of it first. Like you might think you have a great idea, but if it looks like hot garbage, nobody cares. And you know, that's what's really nice about Gameably. Like Gameably looks pretty when you get to Gameably's what, like it doesn't look like you like, you know, got to got into Microsoft paint and like etched like a big G <laughs> on something. Right. Well, I thought it looked good until I saw all your stuff. Yeah. Well, now I'm like rethinking everything and I want the number of that artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's the thing I, I got lucky with kind of how I, I, I got my artist too, but she, yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, her name is Victoria Fajardo, um, weird owl art. Although I think she just started an LLC with a slightly different name, but we'll put it in the show notes. I keep saying that like I run the show, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, she's phenomenal. And and so I'm now kind of at the stage where I'm actually like pushing out prototypes uh, to people. Um, I'm just getting my my final run of my cards and send out prototypes and get the feedback and then back to the drawing board. What worked, what didn't? I, are things taking too long? Is it confusing? 
you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what are the, what are the bugs beyond like my scope of like, I've just been distributing it out to my little region. Now I need to get it out to, um, a variety of different players, casual, serious, young, old, borrowed blue, yeah. all that. So well, I, I put my name in the list. I'm excited. We, appreci we appreciate your interest, but at this Absolutely. time it's going to be a no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're going to get, you're going you're to get one Adam. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, that's yeah, a, no, that's the long winded version of it. So, so is it kind of like, um, so at I at, at IdeaCon last year or two years ago, whenever it was, you and me and Mike, um, and did Terrence join us or was Terrence? I don't remember. There might have Terrence did join Terrence us afterward. Been, yeah. Been, yeah. Uh, and we played uh, was the pitch pitch room pitch. What was yeah? That uh, Silicon Valley startups. Sil yes, that's yeah. what it was. Yep. And is it kind of similar? You kind of come up with it and you have to pitch the idea. Is that sort of how it works? Yeah. So. I I, I, it's kind of, I like to compare game design to writing in that like nobody writes and, and also like show show running or, or movies sure. or anything. Nobody like makes anything truly original anymore. Like right, right. it's all inspired sure, by yeah. different things. That's okay. Like you take, yeah. you know, a, a tried and true, whatever it might be and you make it your own. Right. And so this game takes so many inspirations from different places, but there is a pitch. Um, you can either kind of mini pitch in the middle of the game to get more kind of currency in the game, or you, at the end, everybody pitches their game they've made. So you're kind of collecting cards to make a game. You can make your own kind of addition to the game kind of creatively. And at the end, you'll showcase the game you made uh, in kind of like a Silicon Valley startups-esque pitch, you know, where you kind of pitch your game. And um, what, what I like about it is I, I stole this from teaching. You know, whenever I do like a student vote on who is the best, I try to incentivize everybody like to vote for truly the best and not right, like right. do what I do in the vote. Like I'd always sandbag and vote for somebody who wasn't going to win. So I get more votes like All that's right. just competitive <laughs> sure. me, but yeah. I've incentivized in the game, like vote for the true winner. Cause you get points for voting for the winner. For so voting kinda, for the winner. Yeah. That's, so trying to, incentivize awesome. it. yeah. Um, yeah. I, what I like, I will say some games don't work for a certain type of person. Like there's the type of person that isn't very competitive. They just want to like right. get a good story out of a game. Right. Or there's the person who is competitive and they could care less about creative stuff, but they want to find how the game works and maximize their, their opportunity to win. Right. And this game has both, like you can win by points. You can win by being the, the player's choice. So I've seen both types of players play it and I've watched them both like study it intently to win their way. Like best story. Ha! I maximize my point output and dominate the competition, you know. And somebody else is like, "I I forgot there were points. I'm just really enjoying the game I'm making." <laughs> so, like that that to me was a win because it's really hard, I think, designing a game that appeals to different types of players. And that's what gamification really. You right. have to like engage all your different types of students, right? You know, yeah, you want right. to have the storytellers, the winners, you know, the ones who just want to cause chaos. Mm -hmm. I did kind of take out a lot of the chaos in this game. So if like you, you just want to watch the world burn, this might not be the game for you. Um, sure. So I will say that. Um, yeah, it does. Sound, it sounds, it does have an inception esque <laughs> side to it. <laughs> it really it's does a game, a game yeah. inside a game inside a game. Right. Um, it should come with a little top that people have to spin. And then yeah. that's how you can <laughs> tell. Like, it time's up. That's when you know if the game's over. Yeah. Did it wobble? <laughs> yeah. Can I see well, my children's my... face? It's funny. My wife, like, the first time we played, she's like, John, I think there's something here. But, like, that was so long. And so, like, one of the best pieces of feedback, she and, and she, she is absolutely wonderful. She tells me exactly, I think, what I need to hear, but mm -hmm. refuse to hear myself. And so she's like, you need to cut out like a few of the aspects of the game, right? Make the game more compact that you're making. And that was a genius move. Like it immediately made the game a more like, like efficient size that won't lose people's interest. Like right, right there, I'm like, oh my God, this game could fit into a class period. Whereas before it would have ballooned. And who wants to like pick up a game right. like a day later? Like nobody uh, enjoys doing that. It's like, like Monopoly. It's, yeah. Like, like you have to uh, write down where everybody's at. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. My my friends from eighth grade, we still I think have a risk game like actually somewhere we've right. written down yeah. like whose turn yeah. it is and like oh I think I had Australia but I'm not yeah. sure or, or Axis and Allies I don't know if yeah oh yeah yeah I mean it literally takes an hour to set up so yeah yeah Good yeah this game is not like that the the end goal is you could play this in a kind of a standard middle or high school right. class awesome. period um, and and also I've played it with elementary older elementary like um, my kids nine year old son like 
handily won like the best game. He just like, and he said, this was my favorite quote. He goes, dad, I think it's kind of an unfair advantage for kids. Cause we have a better imagination than you adults. And I'm like, you're not <laughs> wrong. Absolutely like, awesome. right. The cool. light inside of me has died. Cameron, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> your poor father can't compete. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what are your next steps with it? Cause I, okay. So like, where, where are you at in the process? So you've got, you're kind of yep. beta testing now. Yep. Yep. So, so, um, yeah, I did kind of alpha testing like family friends. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for the beta. Um, so as soon as I get my print run of the cards, cause there's a lot of cards, got to have yeah. a lot of ideas for your game. Um, so printing the cards, shipping off kind of a nice, but not very nice beta to people. Um, right. be very forthcoming with that when I send it out, but send out the beta, have people play it. Um, I've got kind of a Google form that they can start and save their progress and come back to if they don't finish. Thanks Fantastic. to your update. Nice. Thank you gentlemen for the little teaser for that. Um, so they'll fill out the Google form when they play it and I'll get kind of some good quantitative data. Like how long did it take you? How old or young were the oldest, and youngest players? I kind of want to get a sense of who's playing it. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I have some kind of Likert or Likert scale of like, did it seem fair? Did it seem like, was the flow good? Did you feel like you were doing stuff or waiting too long? And then there's some open-ended, like what worked, what didn't, you know, what was your frustration here? What was like the, the your highlight, you know, that sort of thing from the playthrough, sift mm -hmm. through that, make some changes based on kind of the big trends, um, clean it up, um, and then see if I'm kind of ready. If I, and then at that point, if it's, if it's at a good place, you start kind of pushing it out to reviewers. Cause you kind of want right. to drum up, you want to drum up some interest and you need people who people trust to vouch for this game and say, yeah, this would work. So, um, I target some reviewers and then also ramp up the marketing, like, it's going to be targeted towards education and casual mm -hmm. gamers. It's right. not going to be like a hardcore gamers cup of tea. It's more like fun party card game, yeah. um, you know, than anything. And then uh, next year. So kind of, as I kind of move into the new year next year, I'm going to kind of pick a locked in Kickstarter date and I'll launch kind of probably a month long Kickstarter and uh, try to get it funded that way. Um, and uh, you know, I, the big cost, right now is the art um, right. it has in the base game. And my dream is to have some expansions. The base game is 137 cards. Wow. So it's a lot of cards. Um, and that was like a conservative, like it started with like 50 more. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of artwork. Right. And this, right. this artist is good. And um, you know, she's good, but she's not like the cheapest artist out there. Right. right. I could have sure. got it done for five dollars a piece of art but it would look like garbage i can't know, so. imagine it would have looked as good those yeah uh, yeah the art looks fantastic yeah it yeah really so is. she like we kind of talked and like hey let's have enough art to really advertise it and show people like this is what the art will look like and then kickstarter funds i can have the rest of the artwork and the shipping costs you know for those initial launch of games and then launch that and and then have a good stockpile to then kind of just start selling to any and all who don't get on the Kickstarter and hopefully it'll just kind of keep going from there. Uh, and that's, that's the vision. So I'm excited. I've been kickstarting board games for years. It's really yeah. thrilling. It's fun to be a part of something like that. Uh, I highly recommend everybody check out Kickstarter for whatever you're into. It's such a neat space. And what's cool is you oftentimes get something that no one else will get if they wait till retail, like you're getting either a cheaper, not like cheaper, like, you know, crappier, but like you're getting, something that might be at a sale or like an exclusive to it that nobody else will get who waits for it to hit market. It's really cool space. And you feel like you're part of something bigger, right? You feel like you're on board this, this train. You got that. You also get the FOMO. If you don't do it, you get the fear of missing out. Like, Oh right, no, right. we'll get the Kickstarter exclusive little miniature of John, right. like <laughs> right. violently gesticulating about his Kickstarter, you know, right. wow, I want that. Sounds, sounds inappropriate. I don't know if I yeah, want that. Yeah. Gesticulating Maybe is some uh, tingling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yes. And it, and it's, it's such a holistic thing too. Like it, it, I think everybody wants to support artists and creators and content creators they like. And so you can do this. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, shout out to mystery science theater. They just right. funded, I mean, uh, they, they funded everything they needed. And, um, I was excited just to give a couple bucks to that because it's such an awesome show. And I think that's such a neat way to go about supporting things. So I, this sounds amazing. I have no doubt this will be something that will definitely fill a need because I think schools are always looking for gamifying. How can I mm -hmm. gamify things or what does gamification look like? But, uh, it requires a lot of steps and frankly, teachers <laughs> don't always have those 
the time to do those steps. Right. Yeah. I like the uh, I, I like kind of the almost the computing aspect of what it takes to to create a game. So yeah. like I mean I think there there's such complex thought processes that have to go on. You think right. about the mechanics and you think about characters and you think about a story and I mean there's so much that goes into it. So you're talking about you're talking about all sorts of subject areas that you can learn while trying to create a game. Um I think that uh, that totally hits on the education on the head nail on the head there well and considering this is an ed tech podcast but i do like the fact that it is an actual totally board game you know what <laughs> Absolutely. i mean it's something that's in your hands because you know that's as, as much as i like that and and push it all the time and best practices and all those things i still think there's something to be said for sitting down and playing a board game and what blows my mind is i can remember being a kid and these complex games that are out now I don't know if I would have been as into them, but my <laughs> daughter's games that she likes to play, the board games we pull are so much more detailed than I remember. And I mean, she's got it all memorized, you know, it's just so, it's just so cool. So a lot yeah. of very creative thought with those. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's interesting. It's a real Renaissance time for the yeah. board and card game industry sure. with the rise of kind of crowdfunding and self-publishing, you know, it was very hard to get in with a, you had to, kind of like anybody trying to make like anything independently. Like you had to get, you know, identified by a major publisher and they right. say your product's good enough and there's intense competition. Now, anybody with an idea and, uh, you know, a little bit of a business plan and, and, and a dream can kind of attempt to get crowdfunded. Uh, and so that's exciting. And, and I, what I think I've got going for me is there's not a ton aimed at the education field. And usually when they are, they're very targeted. Like you can learn about this specific thing and the idea the idea behind this is I want you to make something out of it. And that's the idea what I, what I, what I loved about, I, and I think Adam, we played this at um, LAX. We played some telestrations. Yep. Um, and I, we did the after dark, which is I think yeah. appropriate for ed tech. The <laughs> totally. that we did that one, but the telestrations <laughs> and the, the adult version are both great. But um, what I love about that game is I have so many pictures on my phone of like taking pictures of like, oh my gosh, this picture is so funny. Like the, how ridiculous is this mm -hmm. drawing? Uh, you know, cause I had, I was asked to draw something ridiculous, right? But I have so many of those and I wanted, what I wanted out of the game was like, people took pictures cause they were so proud of what they made. And how do often do you feel at a game? Like you might have a good story after game, but I want people to be like, no, like I made something. I made something, right. And yeah, this game, absolutely. you know, like, I, you know, a lot of times you make memories, but this was like, no, here's a thing and like, I've had a bunch of people after they finished, like, I think this could be a game. And one person asked me, like, is this your big scam to like come up with new game ideas? Just steal ours. <laughs> I'm like, maybe. I don't know. Right. Um, if you've created something, be yeah. sure to submit to John Spike right. at this email. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Send There's those a webcam that comes to me. in every box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just yeah, set right. this up on the table. Speak right. Yeah. Sign that, this that, waiver like, uh, yeah. that, that signs over any creative intellectual properties <laughs> you right. may Your make. NDA, yes. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's all part of it. So, well, and the, the coolest part about this is I feel like in the past, educational board games would be like your uh, civics monopoly. You know what I mean? Where you can <laughs> right. break it out and play with the kids. And this is actually teaching so much design skill and thought process. So just an awesome idea. Very excited yep. to see how this, uh, this comes out. Yep. We're going to be watching me, you and me both. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and uh, it, it could be uh, not fun, but you know, I'll, I'll just pivot and you know, that's the design thinking too is like, right. what, what, what went wrong? What can we tweak to, to make it better? Do I need to relaunch? The campaign do i need to find somebody else interested or or do i just need to accept that my product isn't as good as i've uh led myself to believe <laughs> well it sounds awfully good to us that's for sure i think so yeah i'll count down two sales uh can i put you down for like ten thousand copies or where are we yeah. at here well okay. we, we got we got fun, federal funding right now so go ahead and put us down for whatever we're at our school <laughs> right so. yeah people keep saying well we have money now so let's yeah, that's well, spend so it. silly. <laughs> but uh, I think if we could spend on anything, it would be on Game Stormers for sure. Yeah. Oh shucks, thanks guys. Uh, but anyway, so in the in the show notes, we'll put places to keep up with you. Obviously on sure. uh, Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, if you've got website information, we're going to put all of that on uh, on the show notes. So definitely follow John and the and the game, and we'll we're excited to see it grow. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll be with you the whole time. Excellent. So that's what you're working on now, right? I mean, that's kind of your big thing. 
That's I'm yeah, assuming. that's that's it. I mean, besides, um, as we were talking about before, like I, uh, my wife created human life. I was present. Um, and so we've got <laughs> what's cool. Uh, I like to always like plug this story too. I actually launched the LLC for like kind of game store media the day my daughter was born. So that's kind of a fun little, did you really? Nick On Mac, purpose? Yeah. Um, awesome. you know, that was the goal. I like, right when we were walking away to the hospital, I like submitted the papers to like the Wisconsin government, you know, to incorporate. Mm -hmm. And so I, the other thing I'm trying to do is kind of update everybody like, Hey, here's where Sloan's at. And here's where the game's at, you know, give everybody a taste of like, here's my That's daughter's cool. role. My daughter's she's, rolling and slow yeah. is, so is play testing. So awesome. yeah, kinda... she's been in a lot of your Twitter posts and stuff yeah, like that yeah, too. Right. Her yeah. character's great. Yeah. She's on the cover. Uh, so right. my daughter Sloan is the, the cover character. She's a playable character and I'm hoping she can like use that for some cloud on the playground. Like I'm a, a oh, character yeah. in a game, y'all. You know, game, like, guys. yeah. I think that's an ultimate. Like, anybody trash talks her, she can just be like, "Are you in a game?" Because I'm in a game, so that's, that's my flex, goal. Yeah. Trying to be a good dad, you know. So. I showed I showed my daughter that, and um, my daughter, she's eight. She's a massive gamer, and um, she was like, "You ought to do something like that, Dad." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure, I should." I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's keep playing Cuphead here. Let's do that. So, <laughs> so what are you working on, Dave? Oh my gosh. Um, well, we are back to school, and uh, I have been uh, onboarding Google accounts, working on interactive boards, all that back to school stuff, and then building our coaching program. Uh, we we've not had a traditional coaching program in our district ever, and. Uh, Last year we did it out of need. And so uh, we have about 50 staff members total, 50 teachers total in our district. And so uh, we've been kind of trying to kick that off, get it started, build up the coaching uh, group. And I've, I've actually had a really good uh, interest level from the teachers. So I think right now I was initially hoping to have about four to eight people per month and for our for our uh, quarter rather. And uh, the People I have signed up for our first quarter, I've got like 30 people that are interested with. There's no way I can do that. But still, it's good. There's the need there. So really excited about uh, just our, our district kind of moving forward. All school stuff, except my daughter and I have been deeply into Cuphead. We watched a YouTube yeah. document. Nora loves Cuphead. Like it's probably her favorite game ever made. And um, she loves 1930s cartoons. And then, of course, hmm. this is just like the weirdest game ever, you know, and so. Uh, but we watched a documentary about how they made that game. And John talking about the process of getting GameStorm up and running and going through that. The guys for Cuphead started that game in 2010. And mm. I mean, it was it was genuinely like a 10 plus year project from uh, an idea to the inception of the game to going. And so we've gotten really deep into that. And so I think every single, which has kind of been nice with it being hot. I think every single night for the last three weeks, her and I have <laughs> snuggled up and played it on Switch two player mode. So that's awesome. That's what I'm doing, man. Adam, what about you? That's fun. I I, just... I, I gotta I sorry, Adam. I gotta interject no, you're on good. Cuphead because I think that's a great example of a game where the art is so good. Like I am oh. not a big fan of like precision platformers. Like sure. that is not my genre. But I love Cuphead because if you if you can't tip your cap to just absolutely nailing committing to and nailing an art style and yeah, like melding did. the game to really maximize that like theme you pick, like that is yeah. just absolute perfection and you know it's perfection when like you're bringing in people who aren't a fan of your genre into the game which is right. me like i was just right. like i'm buying this because it's so gorgeous yeah. i'll sit there and die endlessly doesn't endlessly. matter not endlessly. good at it like the game is like endless dying but it's 100 um, and you yeah know but just what's gorgeous cool, what's cool about the art my daughter she's a big cartoon buff right big history buff so she like has all these books about uh, classic cartoons and cartoonists and the whole process, you know, she could, she could write a thesis paper about it. And <laughs> when we play Cuphead, she'll, she will tell me the inspiration of these people. So she'll oh be gosh. like, Oh yeah. You know, King Dice is inspired by Ub Iwerks, the Disney cartoonist. And oh like, my gosh. And I don't know who that is, but we're going to Google him. So yeah, fantastic. Man, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> so we're going to need to have her on the show at yeah. some point here. I mean, if you want to give her a microphone, she'll run. So that's say. all I'll say. Just click record and give her that mic and go from there. That is crazy. What about you, Adam? What are you working on, buddy? Oh, uh, as of right now, I am just attempting to <clears throat> survive each day uh, at the beginning of the school year as uh, as a as the only IT person in the district. Uh, and it's not a very big district, but it's big enough. They, uh, I'm I'm wearing thin. It's been <clears throat> I'm I'm on like 
day and this was today i did not work 13 hours but i so i this one doesn't count so it was like 11 straight days of about of about 13 oh, hours a day so yeah. it's uh and i'm still not ready and kids are here so it's like you know <laughs> i worked all summer and i don't know what i don't know what happened it's uh i thought i was good doing good time and then man I don't it's know. It just stuff, hit me man. hard. It's all the, it's it all is. Well, stuff. and it's really kind of kept me since I've not been able to do much at home. It's kept me from being able to continue to work on Gameably, which is I'm I'm hoping to roll out um, a bunch of updates and stuff here pretty soon, rolling out quests and some other things. Nice. Um, but I want to do it kind of all at once. And um, it's just as it's that's this whole damn job thing keeps getting in the way so you gotta do it don't you you gotta it's, you know it's, it pays the bills so yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know it'd be nice if i had a kickstarter just like for me <laughs> like that's called a gofundme so gofundme is that what yeah. it is <laughs> i have a hard time asking but um but anyway so yeah it's that good stuff hopefully coming down the pipe but i gotta you know get through my actual job first and, and anyone listening to this that did any of the global geg just did I mean, I how many weekends did they do there? It was four there. weekends of four their weekends boot camps. I know I did at least two. Uh, they just used Gameably to gamify that, and I mean, it was very. Uh, it seemed to work great. It went I mean, pretty well. People were uh, they were pretty fired up, man. I'll tell you it was, what, it was competitive. I uh, I got nice. emails all the time from people because if you click on the bottom left hand corner, I got a little right. question mark, and you can send right. me an email, which maybe is a bad thing, but I got emails <laughs> all the time as people were like trying to submit secret codes that weren't the right codes right and they're like hey this code's not working and i had to keep telling them yeah it's not correct like it's i don't know code. It's, <laughs> that's why it's not working but um it was uh, they did a great job with it. it was fun yeah it worked a lot well. of participation that's awesome yeah Good exposure cool. for the platform yeah all over the world and like i really it was i found a few bugs uh, that i had not anticipated with people with really strange characters in their uh in their names uh, like in the, even in their like actual Google account names, right. With, uh, you know, accent marks. And most of the time it didn't affect anything, but every now and again, it would cause some kind of weird thing that I hadn't anticipated before. So that was, it was really, um, kind of opening in a lot of ways, but it went well, I, I'd say it was a success. Nice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So to speaking of successes, we're going to cheers. What are you guys drinking? I'm drinking rolling rock in a can. Fantastic. Because Rolling Rock is like one of my favorite old beers from when I was young. And we went yeah. down to Nashville not that long ago and found a bunch of it. So I grabbed some. Nice. My wife actually grabbed some for me for my birthday. <laughs> I have uh Trader Joe's Kentucky bourbon. I did, but I drank it all. So oh, I would down. cheer I would cheers it. And and as I've said multiple times, Trader Joe's still waiting on that uh sponsorship. So <laughs> be nice. They're, they're ignoring us. We'll throw that TJ in front of EdTech the skilled logo. <laughs> sponsored by. um yeah i uh i brought two i i figured i i i want i'm not i will tell you i'm not a big like i felt like with distilled i should do like a liquor of some kind i'm not mm -hmm. a big liquor drinker i really just like to try different beers but i i felt like you know i wisconsin guest i have to do our wisconsin brandy old-fashioned is kind of like the quintessential drink and what's funny is if you ask anybody in wisconsin they'll tell you they have like the perfect recipe but everybody's is the same. So don't believe anybody from Wisconsin. Like they're all doing the same thing. Um, so funny story though, I, I made this, um, and my wife and I had like random parts of some ingredients for it and some not, but I found this little thing of bitters and I'm like, Oh, I'll use this. And then my wife was getting groceries. She picked up the rest and we made them and we, we sit down to dinner and we have like, I, I even sent a message to Adam. I think I sent you a picture. <laughs> oh, I like, hey, the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing like a test run. And so, what you didn't hear afterwards is that I didn't realize this little thing of bitters I got was extreme spicy bitters. It was meant for like a Ooh. spicy cocktail. So my wife and I are take a drink and I'm like, is there intense burning after each drink for you? Or like, am I <laughs> having a stroke right now? Or yeah. <laughs> like, a tingle. I was wondering if I like, I'm like, I'm either having like a, just a, a minor stroke or like <laughs> something went terribly wrong. And it turns out I look at the, the I'm like, did I put too many bitters in? Cause this is bad. And I look this and I'm like, these bitter, are, yeah. these uh, are spicy bitters. These are spicy uh, bitters. I put too much and it's dang. spicy. So the Ooh. next round, like it didn't have any bitters. So we, I just dropped like a single droplet of bitters in it. So this isn't done As correctly. Busy. I'm yeah, showing right. my, my lack of supporting Wisconsin, but then the other one too, we talked about, um, Wisconsin is definitely known for like new Glarus is our brewery. 
This is their lesser known of probably the two famous nuclear spears. This is a Moon Man. It's an APA. It's delightful. I call it the better one out of Spotted Cow and uh, Moon Man. Um, Spotted Cow is the one that everybody knows. Everybody grabs like a sixer of if they're from right. Minnesota, Illinois, you know, Indiana, whatever. But truthfully, um, Nuclearis, uh, their best one is Moon Man that they, that they sell. So I had to rep that as well being from Wisconsin. So that's what I got. And I, I've been kind of nursing both. So I had something to cheers mm -hmm. at the end. So perfect. There you, there you go. Sounds good. Yep. John, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Yep. Um, we, this is a great conversation and I'm super pumped about your project. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Um, like I said, it, if it looks, if it, if it plays anywhere near <laughs> as good as it looks, it's going to be amazing. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see you and your project. I feel like I was, with you at the beginning and i'm pumped to see it can continue <laughs> yeah. um so thanks so much for joining us i know it was kind of a long night and it's late and you've got a little baby but uh we appreciate the time yep absolutely thank you gentlemen it was a pleasure talking with you and uh team lavar for life I think. team lavar for Hashtag life absolutely. LeVar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right so this has been the edtech distilled podcast you can find us on all of your podcast places like uh, pandora and spotify and apple podcasts and google podcasts and all those places you can also find us on Twitter at, at EdTechDistilled. Uh, you can also find us on the website, EdTechDistilled.com, uh, which has got our show notes. It's got other information and stuff like that. You can get in touch with us. And you can also get in touch with John uh, by going to the show notes for this episode, and we will give you all of his information, or at least as much as he's willing to share. Yep. So thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. I lived up in Green Bay uh, yeah. and worked up in Green Bay for a while. And there was this really great kind of like, you guys would love it. Like they had all the fun cocktails. They had really cool, not too often seen beers, but they had a limited release of dragon's milk, but it was brewed with habanero pepper, no ghost oh. peppers. Oh my And so God. you drank it, you drank it. It tasted like dragon's milk. And then in your throat, it just tingled. Like it didn't burn. It just tingled on the way oh, down. Wow. It was the weirdest sensation I've ever had. That's kind of like pop beer. rocks, like like if they. It was. It was. Yeah. It was like they threw yeah. some pop rocks in nice. the dragon's milk. That's it was cool, man. It was just nuts. Yeah. Um. So that was an interesting take on it. I had. I had never. I'd never seen that before, and I don't think ever will again. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That is interesting. I, yeah. I'd be willing to try it. I'm. Yeah. I'd be willing to try anything. <laughs> yeah, that's like a low bar of, like alcohols we'd be willing to try. The <laughs> <laughs> short list of no's on that. Yeah, it's got pop rocks in it. So yeah, I want it. I want it to tingle. <laughs> I always want I want everything to tingle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>